This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This is the best of the audit podcast, number five. This one's a little different than the previous four the person that selected each one of these clips is the video and audio editor for the podcast. So if it sounds good, it's because of her. If it sounds bad, it's usually because of me. And so uh, as Mary Charles has listened to, and she has no audit background at all, um, she, she is learning those socks. She spells S-O-X now, so I thought that was really cool. And so she's definitely uh, picking up some things. But either way, these are her favorite clips from the show. So someone without an audit background, their favorite clips of the show. And these are run on individually every Tuesday, the day of the release of that episode. And so we do that on LinkedIn. So if, if you don't see those, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn so you can check those out. You can also see them on YouTube. So, and we run them on LinkedIn. And then we also run these clips on YouTube. These are typically 60 seconds of what I feel like is the, the best content either for the audience or just maybe the part that I enjoyed the most through the conversation. So it's a best of the best of, I guess is one way to put it. Uh, lastly, I'll do the intros. We've got about 10 folks. So I'll do the intros in between each clip. That way you kind of know who it is that's talking and maybe help understand their perspective a little bit more. With that said, here we go. If you go to YouTube and type in the word audit, you will absolutely see Amanda White as the number one audit person uh, when it comes to YouTube. Amanda is the deputy head of education at the University of Technology, Sydney, uh, teaching accounting. She's also a founding member and event ambassador and co-host at Auditopia. Uh, if you're not familiar with Auditopia, they do a lot of online collaboration with uh, audit thought leaders and webinars and things like that. So be sure to check them out. Where do you start teaching someone audit or maybe even how is the best way to teach someone audit um, for like the managers and the, and the, the, the folks that have to train their people, what advice would you give them? Hmm. I think that's a, a really interesting question. And the thing that we do most often is we teach people the way that we were taught, mm -hmm. or if that was terrible, we try and do the opposite. I guess. And, and so for, for me, when I'm talking with you know, my graduates who are new managers who say, look, well, now I have to be responsible for people. I think the key is always thinking back to, okay, if I didn't know anything, where would I start? Start with the context. And so this comes back to, I guess, good learning design, um, which you know, we don't teach our managers necessarily how to manage people, how to teach people. And it's thinking about, well, what do I want them to be able to do? How do I teach them that? And it's that old idea of, okay, you can read about it. You could explain it. You demonstrate one to them. You get them to do one by themselves and then come back to you and make sure that it's okay. And this is where the review process is really critical. I think mm -hmm. a lot of times we skip over the, uh, the oh, review process is just something that needs to get done, right? I just have to work through the 150 work papers in the files that the partner can click a button and say that it's done. Right that review process is really important to the training of junior auditors. That's really critical. And so if you're thinking, oh, I'm feeling a bit unsure about this, this is where you know, mentoring really comes into play. And that mentoring could be someone from within your firm. It could be within your you know, local society CPA network. 
So what I really recommend here is leveraging off your professional association. Next, we have Julio Torado. He's the director of internal audit at Spirit Bank. He's probably been on the show slash uh, the audit room that we do on Clubhouse more than anyone else, and uh, even if not as a guest, certainly as a contributor, uh, and is actually going to be the first person to guest host the audit podcast. So be sure to check that episode out when it comes out soon. I know you also want to talk about like specific steps that you can take to become that future internal auditor. Do you have any, um, any more um, practical for the people that are listening that can say, okay, I'm going to go do this thing? So going back to what I was covering initially about modular learning, using modern resources, uh, one thing I, I failed to mention is we, we have to prioritize how important it is to learn new stuff. Because again, my, my fancy visualization. <laughs> um, so I remember years ago coming across some Bureau of Labor Statistics survey on how many hours the typical, the average American spends on entertain, entertainment and TV. And it was like six hours a day on entertainment. So, so great for those of us that are Netflix shareholders. Right. Um, <laughs> so six hours a day on entertainment and three on watching TV, uh, three hours a day, right? So imagine if you cut that by half, if you spend one and a half hour a day watching TV, an hour and a half, or even just one hour a day learning new things. What, what a difference that's going to make for you, what an investment that, that is going to be for you in the long run. So we have to find a way to, to embed that in our, in our culture, learning new things, learning often. And you have to write this stuff down. If you, for the same reason somebody would say to you, Trent, you want to be an entrepreneur, write a business plan. Let that be step one. Now, at the same time, obviously, the business plan isn't the requirement or the condition to be successful. Mm -hmm. But it's going to make you think about things you probably hadn't thought about before. It'll at least minimize the uncertainty for you. Same thing with learning. Create a, a, a learning plan. Make it a one, two, three strategic plan. Be the CEO of your learning experience. And you got to be ready to pay up. You know, don't limit your educational growth by the tuition reimbursement of your company. Don't limit it by the reimbursable scope of stuff for your company. Uh, I would say to people, allocate money for, for learning new things like you were for planning a vacation. Absolutely. You know, I, I do uh, 100 bucks a month max, and I tend to spend no more than 40 or 50 a month for learning new things. I have a $300 subscription to one of the servers I mentioned to you earlier that gives me access to virtual machines and virtual labs because I use them all the time to continuously stay up where there's learning more about cloud or this or that. And those are really powerful resources. That's an investment. So I mentioned the YouTube channel that we have. I think Jason's clip like 10 times as many views as anybody else's. So it got a lot of, uh, a lot of traction. So here's Jason Mack. He's the chief audit executive at Draper. I'm curious because you're, you're talking about the values that were instilled in you. And I don't think we could all go join the Marine Corps to, uh, no, not at all <laughs> instilled in us, but it sounds like a lot of that, really the foundation, the, that being as a foundation is kind of what's helped you become the leader that you are and to become the uh, a chief audit executive. Um, and so for those that are aspiring to become that, who don't have, you know, the time to become uh, a Marine, um, what, what advice would you give them on how to do that and kind of how to get ahead? Yeah, um, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, first and foremost, you always strive to do your best. Um, like I said earlier, always strive to do your best and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Make, dis make decisions. One thing that drove me nuts as a junior auditor would see 
would, would be when I see people in leadership positions that could not make a decision or they just wanted to wait longer and longer until they get more data and more data yeah. to make sure they made the right decision. The real world does not operate that way. You need to, if you're waiting too long, your decision becomes irrelevant. Next up, we have Michelle Fowler. She is the president of Fowler and Company. If you have any training needs uh, online, especially, be sure to reach out to Michelle or go check out her website. She's got a whole academy that is fantastic, especially if you have people that are new to audit, uh, maybe you have them on a rotational basis or they're new hires, whatever it is. It's a really, really good resource for those folks. So here is Michelle Fowler. You think it's more important to understand the business more so than it is to understand audit? Um, I think that's a good question. I think we just, I think if you're a good auditor, you just look at the business in a different way. Right. So we, we, we talk about this all the time because you go in and people expect you to know everything. You're the auditor, you should know everything. Well, no. Um, the, whoever you're talking to in that department, they are the expert at what they do. We're the expert at internal controls, at looking at things from outside the department, this objective independent view that gives us a, a different viewpoint to that same information. And if we're not really getting to know how that person does their job every day, then that's kind of where there's a disconnect. Next up is one of my favorite data people to listen to, just like a fantastic, calming voice and a, a very new perspective and thought leadership when it comes to the adoption of internal audit analytics. Uh, big fan of Nicola. Uh, Nicola is the founder of Audit Data Hub. She's also a data analytics trainer at the Audit Data Hub. If we were to audit ourselves, what would we say is the reason we aren't using analytics? Um, I think we would probably come to the conclusion that we may be just too afraid to fail. Mm. And I think that's one of the biggest problems. Um, I think as auditors, we feel that we should know it all. We are the checkers. And it kind of feels like, how can the checkers be making the mistake? And I think that leads to no progress because the, the whole principle of learning something new is that you're going to make a mistake. That's the only way to learn. And I think maybe if, you know, leaders and the team culture don't openly embrace experimenting, trying new things, the fact that mistakes will happen, but that's okay. And it's about trying that that's, that that's recognized nobody will try. Everybody will just bury their heads in continuing to deliver. Um, you know, they're knocking out multiple audits at the same time, but analytics is moving nowhere. And if no one's really calling it out, that's probably part of the reason there is such slow progress. Next is the agile guy within internal audit. Here is Toby DeRoche. He is the internal audit consultant, trainer, and author at Insight CPE. What Agile Audit really does is it forces us to deal with emerging risks. It forces us to take into account what insights we've picked up from management and from our own audit work. You know, and then as well as just what's going on in the world in the news. Like we take everything into account and we do it ongoing. You know, and what we see within Agile Audit is it also has its own maturity model. You know, so we've got groups that are coming in who are just taking that first step. And what they need is to be able to get out of that one year, two year, three year audit plan cycle and look at things on a quarterly basis. Um, 
technology obviously facilitates. So like within teammate, what we do is we roll things forward from quarter to quarter, but it also absorbs like all of the things that you've learned in your audit process. So if you're truly doing a risk-based audit, all of the results, all of your residual scores, all of those issues, everything flows back and you're basically just doing this continuous cycle. And where this goes is an audit department might start off going to that quarterly basis, but in the end, our endpoint is continuous audit and continuous risk where we can, we can get out of this you know, point in time mindset of looking at things as I'm gonna do year at a time or a quarter at a time. We're basically are always assessing risk. And this is right in line with where the IA has been going, especially recently, of becoming more of a partner to the risk team mm-hmm. and working more hand in hand with risk management. Um, the first kind of exposure I had to agile in terms of its effectiveness, because I mm-hmm. heard about it, you see the headlines and things, um, was just in like the daily standup meetings. Yep. And, you know, I asked like, what, you know, what's the point of this? How does it work? And it was basically you speak and you tell what roadblock is in your way. And so other people can effectively help clear it for you. So you can continue making progress. Mm-hmm. That was explained to me instead of you know, the weekly meeting of, Hey, I met with Jan last week and, uh, it went really well. If you find fraud as part of your internal audits, you're not sure what next steps are, please reach out to our next guest, Leah Wheatholder. She is the CEO at Workman Forensics. They're a, an accounting forensics firm, and she is fantastic. How would you work with internal audit? So I'm internal audit. I find fraud. Um, my next step is what? Yeah, really, you need to call. I mean, I would say me, but call a forensic accountant or a fraud examiner. Oh, I, I would actually call a forensic accountant. And I want to be specific about calling a forensic accountant um, and preferably one that does have some sort of either the CFF or certified in financial forensics or a CFE um, because just because somebody's a CFE, they don't necessarily know accounting information because yeah. CFEs cover a wide range of stuff, but also so do CPAs. So yeah. you need like this uh, special person that's specialized in forensic accounting, no matter what their letters are. Let's just say that. Next, we have pink collar crime expert, Kelly Paxton. Kelly also has a book on pink collar crime that is very interesting. And she also hosts the Great Women Fraud podcast. She's a fantastic follow on LinkedIn. So be sure to do that. If you're interested in fraud, she, along with Joe Irvin and Robert Berry, do a weekly LinkedIn live where they talk about recent fraud cases that have been in the news and dissect them and talk about where controls would have been helpful and all that kind of good stuff. So it's really, really good. I believe it's at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time every Friday. So so be sure to connect with Kelly and check that out. So for the audit people, what is a a good step to take in the the fraud process? Maybe the first step or how to identify it or a tip or a trick or something to that effect? Um, So for... Auditors, I mean, I also think auditors are incredibly curious. And um, so just like, I mean, in auditors, for the longest time, I thought I had to be an accountant to be an auditor. Like, and then I went to an IIA chapter event and I sat next to this woman who was a performance auditor. And she just like blew my world, like brilliant woman. And she's like, I don't know anything about numbers. She goes, I'm there to like fix processes. And I was just, and we've stayed connected this whole entire time. So as far as like when an auditor finds fraud, um, you know, the one thing I would tell you is like document, document, document. And also auditors, I think, um, 
I'm going to say are kinder people, and maybe I'm going to get in trouble for this, than investigators. And they're like, they don't think like criminals as much. And you kind of have to think like a criminal. So um, whereas auditors can kind of see a hole in a process, like to fix, no investigators see the hole that that was the crime. Yeah. So um, a, a, a little bit of that, you're going to have to go, they're going to have to go to their dark side, I'm going to say a little more than normal. Maybe one of my favorite resources from the show is this clip from Norman, where you just get Norman Marks, where he gives these just fantastic questions that we should consider when we're doing walkthroughs and talking to management, et cetera. Uh, for those that don't know, Norman is largely considered the thought leader in internal audits. Norman's also written several books, my favorite being Auditing That Matters. It's one of the most highlighted books I have on my Kindle, not just audit books, but books of all time. I think it's fantastic. I would highly recommend it to everyone. Is there some way to like bring about that mindset in us then? Maybe it's the, the overall question I'm trying to get at. Well, I think the first thing to do is stop talking about risk. Yeah. Okay. Because risk is a word that um, is not seen as a positive one by management. Um, it's, it's something that stops them doing what they want to do rather than uh, actually helping them in some way. So I think it's better to talk about what could go wrong. Yeah. And, and how could it affect uh, what you're trying to do so, and also what needs to go right or needs to go right and and then what do you think we're missing what do you think we could be doing better where are the the things that are holding you back from from uh, doing a better job or more or, or the organization getting more out of this are you getting full coordination and cooperation from everybody else um where do you spend your time? What do you worry about? What do you think about? What would you like to do if you had the resources? I think it's about making sure that management, the people uh, making decisions, people doing actions, have a good understanding of what might happen. Mm -hmm. It's not that we necessarily ourselves always have to understand. It's better that management understands and we know that they understand. They are closer to it. So, um, if this comes back down to, you know, is it managed? Is it an internal audit's job to to find risk? Yeah. Well, actually, it's a it's, it's internal audit's job to make sure that management right understands what what might happen, um, both the the negative and the positive, and then is able to evaluate all of that to to make the right decision and informed and intelligent one. But I think that uh, things like where do you spend your time? What was on the agenda of your last meeting? What are the sort of the things that, that go wrong? Um, what are the things you find when you're doing your work? So if you're talking to somebody and they're doing some kind of reconciliation, it's always interesting to find out, well, what are some of the things that you find? What are some of the questions you have to ask management about or, or this department or that department? Uh, are there times when um, you wish you could be doing something else or, you, or something in addition to this? Um, questions like that, much more um, friendly, open, inquiring, rather than interrogating, yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of questions. Um, what advice would you give me if I had to do this job? All, all kind of different things to, to bring out um, what we need to be focusing on. And, and like I said, it's, it's always better to See if management understands what might happen. Because frankly, 
And this is something that internal auditors frequently don't do. And they realize, they don't realize the importance of this is they don't assess whether management has a good understanding of what might happen, the risks and the opportunities. Yeah. And if they don't have an understanding, why should you expect them to be dealing with that appropriately? Last but not least, the former president and CEO of the IIA and current senior internal audit advisor to Audit Board, Mr. Richard Chambers. What is your thoughts on analytics within internal audit? Uh, analytics, tech in general, uh, machine learning, things of that nature. Well, I, I, I would just say, and you know, again, I'm, I, I try to be careful not to generalize too much, but uh, I don't see how any uh, capable internal audit function can be operating uh, in the third decade of the 21st century without a strong data analytics capability. Um, we are we are in you know we have been for for quite some time you know literally in the era of big data and there's no way that as an internal auditor you can be using the kinds of tools that we did when I first came into auditing, you know, statistical sampling and, and, and the various ways that we tried to evaluate or analyze information and data. There's no way that that gets you where you need to be uh, at this day and age. Um, there, there's just, there, there is an absolute avalanche of data out there. And so I think we have to get much more proficient at data analytics.